In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, good morning. Lisa, I have a powerful question for you. All right. Who do you want to be when you grow up? Well, okay, I, I know what the correct answer is because I've done massive amounts of reading yes. and exploring that, and I, I, I need to be, and I want to be me. <laughs> Isn't there a song? I want to Oh, please, please, I've please, don't sing. Please. Yes, me. there is a song, but don't sing. Okay, no, no, we don't have time for that right now. <laughs> well, today we are talking about hitting the mark in life and with your life, and we have two dynamic women joining us to help us hit the mark Welcome to Girlfriend It, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. We're Lisa and Patty, and obviously we're trying to figure out who we're going to be when we grow up. When we grow up. I don't know <laughs> that we're ever going to totally grow up, so I think we're going to be, this is a life quest for both of us. And I love that, because we're talking about um, like thriving or surviving, and, I, and as we talk to women all over the place, so many women are in that surviving mode, and how do we move from surviving to thriving? And, um, and then when you do discover your life path, how do you totally run down it? You know, with, the, with your hair flowing back, the wind in your face, and you're just like, go for it. You love the running part. Yeah. Your yeah. lipstick's all smeared. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. all over your teeth. Yeah. So it's like just <laughs> going for it. Okay. With all of that said, we are super excited to introduce to you our very first guest, who is Lori Beth Jones, an author of a significant book that had really impacted both of us, and it was called The Path. And I remember reading that book um, several years ago. And it's one of those books, so many times you read a book and they'll say, okay, take a moment now and stop and do this. And I never do stop and do this. I'll go, you I'll cheat. go, I do. I, I go, I'll get to that later, but then later never happens. Yeah. Well, when I read her book, The Path, I, it was between Christmas and New Year's, so I was already into that New Year's trying to come up with a plan for my new year. I want to be intentional with who I am. And so I was reading that book, and I remember there was a part that said, write your own personal mission statement, and she actually gave you guidelines of how to do that. And I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to actually do that this time. I'm going to really say, because I'm going to be intentional. I'm going into a new year. I'm going to be a new me. So I did. I wrote down, and she had, like, specifically say, like, when you get up in the morning, what time do you want to get up? You know, how does your day look in those details? And I thought, all right, I'll do it, but whatever. So I, I literally wrote down, I, and I was, at the time I was at a job that I was really in a rut, and so I did that. And I wrote all this thing down, what I would love to see in you know, my ideal day, my ideal job, and I wrote it down, and I stuck it away. And then, then I met you, 
And you are, we were kind of, and then years later, all I your fantasies it. came true after you met me. Not uh, so much, but, but it was, it's, it's been an incredible ride now. <laughs> it has been an incredible ride. But I, I, like a couple years ago, I found that list and it was amazing that almost everything on that list I was doing. Wow. So anyway, this book, we, we are just so excited to talk to Lori Beth. We're, we're so excited that you and I are talking about it. The we whole time. Her so, on. Yeah, so let's introduce you. <laughs> Lori Beth, welcome to Girlfriend at Radio. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. It sounds like you two have a lot of fun and bless many people, and that is a way to live, isn't it? Well, the blessing part might be curious. There's a big question mark there, but we do have a lot of fun. You, you have that accurate. <laughs> well, Lori Beth, your personal mission is to recognize, promote, and inspire divine connection in yourself and in others, and you have been called one of the great thought leaders of our time by Ken Blanchard and others, and that is a huge compliment because we love Ken Blanchard and the others, whoever they are. We love the others. <laughs> <laughs> so we want we don't want to, we know you have a lot to, that we can glean from. So in the next 29 minutes that we have with you, we want you to tell us all your words of wisdom and tell us who we all want to be when we grow up and how do we do that. And so you have 29 minutes to accomplish that. <laughs> Well, that's longer than I usually get at a family dinner, so, you know, I, I think I can, I can have fun with it. Well, as you were, as you were sharing um, in the introduction, when you get clear about what you really want and your vision and your path in life, it's like, it's like going from a candlelight to a laser beam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and laser is just focused light, but it is so focused that it can cut through steel. Mm. And and some of us just kind of flicker, and I think for women we tend to flicker and flare according to what blows upon us, you know, the demands of others or the insults of others or whatever. And so that becomes reactionary. But when you get clear about your path and your vision in life, then you become proactive and and with God in control of your destiny. And it's so empowering. Mm-hmm. And it, that is so true. And um, as you talk to so many people, this they like I don't even know where to start, you know, to right. who I am. Um, can you just? I know there's so much to all this, but why is that mission statement so significant to really take the time? Because I think a lot of people are like me, going, "I'll, I'll do that another time," or uh-huh. "I'll think about it," but then they don't actually sit down. And I know that was really life changing for me when I sat down and I applied what you had talked about in the book and really worked at it. And I think so many times we don't want to take the time to work at it. So what how would you just advise people in that process? Well the you know, there's just some powerful questions. You started your show with a powerful question and one of them is, Am I living my mission or someone else's? Mm. Because if you don't know your mission, you're living someone else's. You're a part of their plan and they will hook into you. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> Not that you don't want to be cooperative, but you know, it's so easy to the people who know where they want to go always engage people who don't. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That is so powerful because we see that um, so much. We we work with women and. Our mission is rallying them to do the remarkable. And so many times women, they want to matter and they want to do the remarkable. And you're right, they either get caught up in their husband's mission or their children's mission, which is fine if that's your mission statement. If that right. is what you, that really, you know, makes you soar and gets your heart 
pitter-pattering that you go, okay, I am here and my one main goal in life is to, you know, please my husband, then that's awesome that you're living his mission. But so many times we we get so caught up in that, and that's not really what our mission or is. Or that, is that really awesome that you're living your husband's mission? I'm going to challenge on that. Because it's like I think so many times, and Lori Beth, how do you establish, because I think so many times we allow our roles in life to define us. Yes, yes. And our, maybe our passions are who we were created to be. Can you kind of right. address that a little bit? Yes. Well, in, in the book, The Path, I talk about the 11 myths about mission. And the first one is, my job is my mission. And men historically have gotten caught up in that. You ask a man what his mission in life, and he might say um, to be a doctor or to provide for my family or anything that's a job description. Whereas, let's take this thing about to be a doctor. He didn't give a mission. He gave a job description. But in true mission, if you go one layer deeper, and that's what this is about, is you've got to go one layer deeper, his mission is healing. So as long as he is healing, he's going to feel fulfilled, whether he's a doctor or not. And sometimes he could be a doctor and be filling out insurance forms and dealing with me on the phone with, you know, hassling attorneys and all this other stuff, and he's starting to wither and die because even though he is a doctor, which is his job description, he's no longer healing, which is his, his mission in life. Mm. For women, for women when, when women say, my, we often give our roles to be a good wife and mother, well, the question is, who were you before you got married, and who are you going to be when the kids are gone? And if you make that your only mission in life, then you will face the emptiness syndrome, or you will. I used to work at the Women's Resource Center, and I, I was a divorce counselor, and I counseled women. You know, a woman had been married 36 years, and her husband met a woman at a roller skating rink and ran off with her, and he was an attorney and took everything. And she was 36-year marriage, and she was just, boom empty, lost. Her her role, her life had changed, and her role, her mission, which was to be a good wife. And here's the other point about, I like that you challenged that. Someone who lives vicariously for another person becomes annoying. Yes. And and, uh, and they start to lose respect for you. (laughs) You know, you... You need boundaries. Go ahead. Yeah, when they even are so involved in their kids' life, then they become needy. You see, right now we're going through a lot of our friends who kids, their kids are going off to college, and it's at that stalking level. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah when, the helicoptering, right. Yes, yes uh, hovering over them. Exactly, and that's also one of the – I have some clearing exercises in the path, and one of them is – from a quote by Carl Jung, it said, nothing affects the life of a child so much as the unlived life of its parent. Oh, so, yeah. So when you see parents hovering over their children, they have somehow put their unlived dreams onto those kids, and they're creating an unhealthy dynamic in doing that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I just remember my kids are in their early 20s, and I always worked, um, and mainly because I just enjoyed getting out, and I worked part-time when they were younger, just to keep my mind going and to feel like I had something still to give, and it, and it fed my soul, and I felt like I was a better wife and a mother as a result, and yet I think for women there's always that guilt of, you know, should I be home more or whatever, and I remember when my kids got out of high school, I asked them, I said, okay, did you feel like... You were neglected because I worked. And I was really um, encouraged because both of them said, no, we love that you work and that you had your own life because it inspired us to go, that's what we want to do. And you just didn't sit at home and and you were more interesting. And so I think um, there's a lot to be said when we pursue our own passions. 
we become more interesting to people around us. And, Lori Beth, we only have less than a minute to, to finish out this segment, because we're going to keep talking about this. But can you just kind of, um, as we close this out, um, what, would you, what would you say to that, even for women just dealing with guilt and try, as they try to discover who they are? Well, this is In a whole topic. Seconds. You know, <laughs> 30 seconds. You need to know that you matter as an individual, uh, not just as someone who is married to someone, not just as someone who is a mother. And, that, and, and when we open up the next, next segment, I'll give you an example of a woman who got clear in the difference it made in that guilt factor. I love And I think that is so significant, and talking about that guilt factor and just getting clarity in your own life as we go forward. So we're excited to come into the next next segment with Lori Beth Jones. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Adaption, Journey to Motherhood with Mary Beth Wells. Monday mornings at 9, 8 a.m. Central. This is not your typical show about adopting children. This is a shared experience from Mary Beth's heart. Mary Beth will be talking about and covering all the issues pertaining to adoption, including adopted parents, birth parents, adoptees, foster care, and infertility. So... How did your journey to motherhood begin? Or are you still on the path? We want to hear all voices sharing their stories and talking about those issues that are so dear to our hearts. You see, Mary Beth is a birth mom that relinquished a child for adoption and ended up coming full circle by adopting two beautiful little girls from Guatemala. And that led to her starting a doll company about adopting baby dolls from all around the world so that children could choose their own doll and learn about that doll's heritage. For more on Mary Beth and her dolls, go to PreciousBabyDolls.com. Then join us for Adoption, Journey to Motherhood with Mary Beth Wells. Monday mornings at 9, 8 a.m. Central. Remember, the heart knows no boundaries. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, the Parents' Plate is here to help you. The Parents' Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment. And that's what the Parents' Plate does. The Parents' Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts and authors on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents' Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents' Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We have Lori Beth back with us, and she uses her writing, her speaking, and all kinds of um, creativity to 
um, help others get a clear, precise, um, what would it be, mind I can't You're think of the word. Words. Yes, yeah. I am. I, I need that laser focus right now to be able to. Um, Your candle is flickering right now. <laughs> but she helps them find their their highest goal in work and, and clarity and relationships. Clarity was actually the word I think okay. I was looking okay. for. But some of her best selling books include Four Benefits of Success or Four Elements of Success. Yes. Right. Uh, and Jesus Entrepreneur and others. And I, I actually read um, Jesus CEO. Is that the same as Jesus Entrepreneur? No, it's different. Two, okay, two different ones. But I, I, just a side note before we get into some more clarity. Is after I finished the path, I also, Lisa and I had a success coach that was going through. Um, a life success coach, for, yeah. For a year, a life success coach. Mm, good that, for you was going to actually help us in finding our mission statement. So I, I picked up your book, and my, my mission statement, I said, helping others to discover their divine it and healing the world in the process. Well, it was interesting because when I brought that mission statement to her, she laughed. I don't know if success coaches are supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> she went beauty pageant on her, you know, healing the world and creating and she world did. peace. She said, Patty, you want to create world peace. And I, I thought that was perfectly <laughs> fine for a mission statement. But it, it was just interesting because she goes, you know, instead of healing the world, you might want to pick a continent. And um, <laughs> I, I, I picked Africa. But anyway, your book, it really inspired me and helped me, even though I got mocked for my mission statement. <laughs> Okay, when we left last um, segment, you were talking about, we were talking about, like, women with guilt and and creating clarity, and you were going to share a story. Right. Um, Well, the the thing about the path, about the the mission process in the path is that, you know, it's it's a series of strategic questions, as you know, that you answer this, Mm -hmm. this, and this, and then bingo, you hit it, and it's just so fun in a workshop to see people get it. And the reason is that you have to, like we said, it's layers. You have to peel the onion. So in this one workshop, a woman stood up and she said her mission was to raise a happy family. And she had six kids. And I just looked at her and I said, you're never going to do that. You cannot, that cannot be your mission statement. And she was very hurt and very offended. And I said, because you cannot control your family's choices. You cannot control your children's choices. God could not even control Adam and Eve's choices. So yeah, that's a great... <laughs> raising a happy family. So after we got through the layer of hurt and, and disappointment that she wasn't going to be a good person if she wasn't doing that, it was, what can you do? And she realized that she could create a nurturing and challenging environment for mm-hmm. her children. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge difference. Yes. The same result could come from it. Mm-hmm. But to create a nurturing and healthy environment is something she loved beautiful things. She loved, you know, it was something she could do, she could do, she could control, and the, the end result would flow from the process that she loved. So we're so task-oriented in our country, and we are, we're all about the result, but the mission process is about what you're going to be doing on a daily basis. And, and to address what your, your coach was saying, she was trying to get you to narrow it down, but the end result is if you do that, if you do what you love, which, as you stated, that you're helping women uh, be remarkable, you will change the world, mm-hmm. even by doing it one woman at a time. 
Mm-hmm. Because you don't know where that ripple's going to go. There's a proverb that says, uh, I went out to water my garden, and behold, the stream has become a river, and the river has run to the sea. Mm-hmm. All, this woman, all this woman was doing was watering the plant in front of her faithfully, diligently, and the results uh, rippled through history. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that's a great visual, too, I think, just to see. And I think what's so significant about that, I think, like we said earlier, every woman wants to know that they matter and have a right. purpose. And I think we get so isolated and we feel like I don't really have anything to offer. And we always want to say, okay, what's in your hand? What is right there that you can give, whether it's yes. one person at a time, just start there. And so many women, and, and I you know, we can get that way, too. You get paralyzed. Like It seems overwhelming, you know, when you're going to go heal the world or even a continent. It's a little overwhelming. And yeah. it's like, where do I start? Well, I just saw a quote that said, virtually doing virtually nothing. And I thought, that is so true, especially in our virtual world right now with <laughs> Facebook and, and Twitter. You can right. get caught up. If you don't have that laser focus, like you said, you can just get caught up in that virtual world of virtually doing virtually nothing. And be <laughs> exactly. A time and then, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, that that was it. Dot, right. just completed. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, when I, when I wrote my mission statement um, to recognize, promote, and inspire divine connection in myself and others, before I added the tribe in myself and others, because what we teach is it's three action verbs. Your mission is three action verbs a core value, something you don't want to live in the world without, and then a tribe. Who are you called to? It could be your family. It could be your church. It could be um, any number of people or groups. But for me, I just had to recognize, promote divine connection. And so I was constantly exhausted because there's no end to that. That's a 24-7 job. And you're laying there thinking, or I'm sitting at the beach and I'm thinking, gosh, I'm not connecting with anybody. I feel guilty. So when I added the, tri- the, the tribe in myself and others, I realized that I could be divinely connecting when I was riding my horse in the alfalfa fields with my dogs running beside me and no one with me except God, because that was inspiring divine connection in myself. Mm-hmm. And it was out of that that flows the books that have, you know, gone on to be bestsellers and all those other things. If I'm not divinely connected myself, if I do not care for myself, then it's going to be a weak signal yeah. <laughs> all the way down. Exactly. Well, and don't you think that so many times people think that is, um, that's being selfish to think about yourself in that way and to, and to write, like, you know, the positive things? I think so many women go, oh, that, you know, I feel like I'm bragging or but it's like it really is seeing yourself as remarkable. I know we we were asking a question of people like uh, of women like r- write down the three three remarkable women in your life, and then you know when they do that, then you go back and you say, okay, were you one of them? And I think you know why don't we see ourselves as remarkable? And that is that is okay because like you said, it's like you know. You, you have to love yourself and appreciate yourself so you have something to give. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. And and yet so many times as women we don't love ourselves and see ourselves as valued. Right. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Secretariat, but yes. it's a tremendous story about a woman who who did go to save the family farm and the and the horses on the farm and, and left her children and her husband was not supportive in in the beginning but came around when they won. 
Yes. Triple crown. <laughs> yeah, but did you wonder what would happen if that horse didn't win? <laughs> I know, I know it. Would that but, husband still be just as excited? <laughs> I don't know. But you know, I was I was just last weekend watching a race. There was a, a mayor, a six-year-old mayor named Zenyatta, who yes. was running, and she had been undefeated, the first thoroughbred in, in history, in history, male or female, to be undefeated for the I guess. 20 races, and it was the first time she was running along. But I was watching her in the paddock. She's a dancer, and when she was coming out, she was pawing and dancing. And even before the race started, she was extending her right hoof, you know, in a dance. And people said that they just, the crowd went wild. They had 115,000 people there to wow. see this six year old mare run this race, and she lost by a nose. She was dead last at the, around the curve, and then I think the jockey started her into, it was the first race she'd ever lost, and if she had stuck her tongue out, she would have won. It was <laughs> but the notice, to me, she loved the dance. She loved the race. She didn't know how many she'd won. She yeah. just wanted to run, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that, is- that kind of, of pleasure in ourselves, you know, she loved being a horse. Yes. Well, we need to love to, being a woman. It's going back to finding the dance inside of each one of us. You know, yes. dance. And, and how do we express that? Okay, we have a question. You know, so many times I look back at my own life and who I was at 20 is not the same person I am today. So if somebody writes a mission statement, say when they're, you know, in their 20s, when they're in their 40s, 50s, is it the same mission statement or do we need to keep reinventing or reevaluating who we are? Typically, it's the same mission statement, but your vision statement is going to be adjusting. Okay. And, and so, that's the point. Go ahead. No, yeah. that's the point taken. It is, it is how we articulate that then, because I think so many people don't know. It's like, am I the same person? Was I wired this way, or do I become this way because of my circumstances? And what would be an example of that, Lori Beth? And we have about two minutes just to kind of explain the difference between the mission statement and your vision statement. Well, the mission statement is a short, simple statement of purpose, um, no longer than a single sentence, able to be understood by a 12-year-old and able to be recited by memory at gunpoint. Um, <laughs> so if you cannot state your mission in a single sentence, you probably can't live it. And if you can't or if you can't remember it, you're not living it. So that's what a mission statement is. It's the verbs. What are you doing on a daily basis? What did you come here to do? For me, it's to recognize, promote, and inspire divine connection. If, if I do that every day, then I will live a fulfilling life. Now, the vision statement is where you get very specific about what you want it to be. Sometimes I call myself a lifestyle architect because you are going to lay out what you know, like what you did in the beginning, where am I at 9 a.m.? What am I doing? What am I wearing? Who am I talking to on the phone? Where am I going for lunch? All those things in the vision statement can be very precise. And the more precise you can make it, the more likely it is to come true. We shape the invisible with our thoughts, our words, our prayers, and our actions. We are called to shape the invisible. It's, for so many people, life happens to them, but, but they're not shaping it. Mm-hmm. They're not giving it an, a, a, a narrative arc, if you will. And that's what I love to do, and it sounds like that's what you love to do also. And we, love, we only have a 10 seconds, but we want to let people know that they can find you on Girlfriend It um, homepage, but they can also, where can they find you, Lori Beth? Uh, LaurieBethJones.com. 
Perfect. Thank you so much, and we look forward to you again. All righty. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Vision Onward is a mission. Vision Onward is passion. Vision Onward is compassion. It's God's power being shown in the world today with the guidance of the Holy Spirit through Jeff Holly and his family. And now, it's here on Toginet, Monday evenings at 9, 8 central. Vision Onward began over three years ago when Jeff and his family felt that after sitting in a church for years, they had come to a place in their faith where they were tired of sitting around and talking about their faith. They actually wanted to do something about it. So they decided to use their time, treasures, and talents that God had blessed them with to help those who have, by no choice of their own, been born into a world of poverty. So they walked away from the American dream, which they realize is actually a nightmare, so they can help others find hope in what seems to be a hopeless world. For more on Vision Onward, go to visiononward.org. This is truly a God-led adventure of the heart and humanity, making a difference for Christ. It's Vision Onward with Jeff Holly, Monday evenings at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We have the honor of speaking with Jackie Callan today. Her life story inspired the Paramount film Against the Ropes. Starring Meg Ryan, which I love. Or, I know you. Yeah, is I it whom I, whom I love or which I love? I think it's <laughs> whom I love. Uh, Jackie, liked her a lot. <laughs> Jackie was associate producer of that film, and uh, she is also one of the first females to succeed in the male-dominated world of professional boxing. Well, Jackie, you are such an inspiration to women all over the world who feel that they are living in a man's world. Would you share your story on how you became a boxing manager? And welcome to Girlfriend. Well, thank you. I love the concept of your show, and I'm so happy to be part of it, because what is the most important thing for all of us women but our girlfriends? Absolutely. You're talking our language, girlfriend. I mean, come on now. Men come, men go, but our girlfriends, that's what's always there. We can count on each other. 
You're yes. putting grins on our faces. We're with you. <laughs> okay. Well, I love that. My story is a little bit different from a lot of people um, that go into a field where they're sort of the fish out of water. And for me, I kind of stumbled into boxing. It wasn't a lifelong ambition. It's not that I was fighting myself or that I had an interest in contact sports. I was a journalist. And for many, many years, I covered the Hollywood beat. That was my storyline, was who was doing what with whom and what new movies were coming out and what new albums were coming out. And I really covered everything from the Academy Awards to the Emmys to the Tonys to the Grammys. It was a lot of fun. I can't say that I didn't have the best time that anyone I know ever had in the 70s and 80s because it was certainly a lot of fun. But I decided that I wanted to cover sports as well. And that was just not done by women back in the 70s. I mean, you just weren't allowed in locker rooms. So to say I want to cover sports, it was like, I don't think so. But for me, it was just something I I grew up with. I don't know about you girls, but I grew up with only a brother. And my dad was one of three sons. And I just ended up marrying a guy that was one of four boys. And I just didn't have a lot of estrogen in my life at that time. Yes, yes. (laughs) So I just gravitated towards sports and and fast cars and gambling and all the stuff the guys liked, I liked, which actually does make you very popular with the guys when you like (laughs) all the same things that they do. And so I I sort of talked my way into covering sports. And, um, you know, I had to prove myself first. They gave me an assignment to interview someone who was, you know, totally uninterested in being interviewed, so had turned everybody down. So I just had to be a little creative and use my femininity, which I did, and I got the interview. And from that point on, they let me expand and do more and more and more. And uh, boxing just happened to be one of the sports that I covered, and I just kind of fell in love with the sport. It was just so um, intriguing to me to see these two people facing off in, in a confined area with certain rules, but still the object being to seriously hurt each other or to accrue enough points to win, you know, by not knocking the other person out, but by outthinking them and outmaneuvering them. So I got real interested in the sport. I, I think maybe I related a little bit to it, the whole idea of, you know, fighting against the odds. And yeah. I, at that time, I think women were a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to equality in certain areas. And uh, maybe I just personally took to the sport because I related to it. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, I went plunging into this all-male bastion, and it wasn't uh, the most welcoming environment initially. It was um, a lot of ridicule, a lot of a lot of teasing, a lot of testing to see how much I would put up with. Mm-hmm. And um, well, at that that time, um, that particular era, it was as if you were trying to um, muscle your way into the boys' club, and you're just that's that just that's not your place as a female. Well, it is my place now because let me tell you, I went in and I staked it out and I said, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere, girls, boys, everybody. You know, this is, this is, I love it. I actually, I love the sport and I love, it's a real gritty sport. It's not the most honest. It's not the most above board. And yet there's something so compelling about it. Mm. And you know what? I just kind of earned my way in by showing no fear, showing no regret and showing no shame. So whatever they dished out, I took it, 
and just kept coming. And eventually, when you do that, you know, the sexual innuendos, all the, you know, they try to make it out like you're sleeping with every fighter that you've ever met, mm-hmm. um, some of whose names you don't even know, <laughs> wouldn't recognize in a locker room. But still, you know, the boys had to figure out why you were there. And yeah. You know, but what other reason would you want to be around a bunch of guys unless you were sleeping with them? That's their mentality. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just figured, well, I'm going to make a lot of money off of this, and then I'll show you what I'm here for. And it Highly is, motivated. It isn't because you guys are all so fabulous. And uh, the one story that sort of set it all in gear for me is, uh, and this one you're going to have to use your imagination and picture it, but I walked into a locker room to um, get a story following a football game. And all the other reporters were male, and, of course, all the players were male. And I'm standing there trying to get my word in there and ask a question, and they're deliberately kind of just ignoring me. And then one of the players came out, stood right in front of me, and dropped his towel. Wow. And um, he pointed down to himself and said, here's your story. Wow. So, you know, I don't know what other women would have done in that situation. I mean, I... Both he thought I was going to go running out of there going, oh, my God, oh, my God. But instead, I just stood there, and, of course, everybody was watching me, so I was really on the spot. And I stared right at him, right in that exact spot that he was pointing to. And I looked at it, and then I turned my head a little to the left and a little to the right. I got a little closer and looked at it, and I said, you know what? I came here for a big story. <laughs> All I can tell you is that guy, if you've seen a man just shrink literally and just walk away, that was it. He he felt so stupid and so horrible, and the other guys actually applauded and, you know, were giving me my props for that. And from that point on, they really didn't mess with me too much. I don't think they wanted to because they didn't know what I was going to say back, so they just kind of left me alone. So I hear your your big tip. Um, no pun intended, on that particular thing is for women to be creative when when you're getting flack from guys, when you're in the boys' club, to just be creative and, and you just have to keep fighting through it. Absolutely. The more creative, the better. I mean, it's just so much fun because sometimes they'll make little comments like what they would like you to do to them and just say, you know what, that sounds so great, but I, I was, I'd much rather play Scrabble. Do you play Scrabble? You know, they'll just look at you like, what? So, yeah, you just kind of play with them because their minds are, you know, not all men, but in the sports world it just seems that when they're around a group, they they regress to, like, high school mentality. Yes. And they go to all the, you know, bathroom jokes and all the silly stuff. And it's so easy to outwit them in that particular moment because they're not thinking intellectually. They're just being little boys. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. We had talked with the author um, of The Male Factor, uh, Shante. Yeah, Feltheim. Um, and she did has done so much research on this particular um, of just the females working in, in the male-dominated world. And um, some, of, some of her research showed that men can't handle the emotional factor that we bring in as well if, if it's really a, it's something in our brains, how we're all wired with it. We truly are wired differently as, as males and females. And when we sh- are showing tears or showing our anger, frustration with those tears, that they just have a hard time differentiating between what to do now in this situation. Logic. Logic yeah, versus that, emotion. 
And so I just, I just thought that was a great tip because if you just kind of walk away, give yourself a second to not show those emotions and then come back in, not that you can't be yourself, but if you, if you want to gain that respect, just learn how to, like you're saying, be creative in those situations. And she's saying don't show your emotions in those, those situations. It really does help us change and have the right tools as we're going forward. So they really do hear our message, and they're not just, you know, discounting it because of the emotions getting in the way. And I, uh, I and agree with that 100% because I've been in a lot of situations where you just had to think on your feet, and you just had to say, do I want to stoop to that level, you know, and be Pee Wee Herman, I know you are, but what am I? I know I am, but what are you? You know, all that little silly na-na-na stuff, or just be smart enough to say something that makes them feel foolish and move on. You know, I my theory is very much like the one you just said. Don't let them see you sweat. So regardless of what situation I'm in, I'll never tip my hand. It's like playing poker. You know, you could have four aces, but you don't want anyone to know that. Or you could have nothing, and you want to have that same face regardless of what you're holding in your hand. And, you know, you have to work at that because instinctively, we tend to show what we're thinking, you know, even when we don't mean to. So you have to work at that. But once you perfect that, they'll never figure you out. And so they'll leave you alone because, you know, it's like a crazy person. When you figure that they're too crazy to deal with, you just ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have um, one minute Jackie, before we go into our commercial break, and we want to go into a little bit about how you actually got into the the um, movie of Against the Ropes and how you were able to choose Meg Ryan um, to be the actress and, and a little bit more of how it transpired and inspired um, this movie. You're like, well, And you know what is so interesting because as we were talking earlier in the segment, it, it goes back to when you really know your mission statement and your vision and you're clear on that, it allows you to overcome so many obstacles. And you know, as we're listening to you talk, it's like you had to be so clear on who you were and why you're there to be able to put up with all that stuff that you encountered in the locker room, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the jokes and the innuendos and go, you know what, I am so determined and, you know, having that tenacity to go forward going, it's bigger than this. And so that's don't you think you have to so right. your own that's mind exactly have to right. sort it out and separate that and go, you know, I'm determined where I'm going, and I'm not going to let you stop that. And well, for women, I think exactly that's right. When you come back, we can talk a little bit about that because I think it's a lesson for all women to learn and to practice. Yes. Well, great. Well, hold that thought, and we're going to go into our break, and then we're going to come back because we want to dive in a little bit more. With There's so many things that as women we think, but we don't really articulate, and we don't even know how to separate our emotions. So let's kind of dive into that a little bit and uh, how to have that tenacity to go forward amidst the obstacles. So stay with us. Absolutely. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Back again, back again. Back again. 
was sad right. Cause he had a death kill mommy and dad right. But that ain't the case nope. It wasn't his fate nope. The walks never struggled to communicate <laughs> Y'all wave your hands Look who's on It's the code of man Keith And he's number one It's That Keith Wine Show On Toginet.com Wednesday nights at 8, 7 central Every week That Keith Wine Show Will have guests That share their experiences Expertise Opinions And personal lives with us To hopefully help us Better understand others The topics and guests Will come from the American Sign Language community For more on Keith Wan And the show Go to his website KeithWanWann.com Listen with an open mind And willingness to learn And help with the cultural bridge Number number one Keith's number one Everybody clap Cause the coder man's on Number number one Keith's number one Everybody clap Cause the coder man's on don't miss that Keith Wan Show, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 central on toginet.com. Come learn with me as the show created as much for the host as the audience. Join host Danny Walker, Wednesdays at 11, noon central on toginet.com, as she invites you to get your boots on and walk through life's triumphs and troubles with her. Come learn with me as the beginning of a movement, a community filled with caring people who share information, allowing everyone to participate, gain, and grow. What works? What doesn't? Your host, Danny Walker, is is a self-proclaimed student, not expert, and she'll share very candidly passions, perspectives, failures, her family's battle with illness, her restaurant inspirations to keep being a wife, parent, and more, all the while including industry experts, disease survivors, and guests to add to the mix. For more on Danny and her show, go to dannywalker.com, D-A-N-I walker.com. If you've ever searched high and low to find answers to sickness, disease, and debt, come learn with me, and let's get our questions answered together. Come learn with me with host Danny Walker, Wednesdays at 11, noon central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Hey, well, we are back, and we've been having a riveting conversation with Jackie Kalen, who has um, been dubbed the first lady of boxing, which that just doesn't seem like it kind of, you know, boxing and, the, and, the, and females. And yet you have so articulated yourself really well about your journey into boxing and into a man's world. And we just want to continue that conversation to kind of go into that, kind of that danger zone, because so many women are going, I, I don't even know how to thrive I don't even know how to exist. And you, you know, we're talking about how we have to be creative and you have to overcome a lot of obstacles. So can you just kind of keep talking? You had some stories you wanted to share with us. Well, you know what? It's funny that you mention it like that because to me, they're not really obstacles. I never really, really got into that whole theory of sexual harassment. I know it exists and I'm sure there's many women that have real legitimate cases. I probably could have sued dozens of times and made a ton of money, but to me, it's not a suable offense. I mean, if somebody grabs you or goes over that line where it turns into an assault physically, that's a whole other issue. But Mm -hmm. some guy telling me what he'd like me to do to him or commenting on my breasts or just some stupid remark, I just never even acknowledge it. I just sort of cut it off right there and just either smile and laugh or just 
give them a look like you poor idiot, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I hope your I hope your IQ is a little more than your age because some <laughs> of these guys, you know, they they say things that are so ridiculous. I don't consider it harassment. I just think it's poor taste and a feeble attempt to either be funny or appealing or whatever they think they are, none of which they're they're actually successful at. And you know the funny thing about it is the less you react, the less it happens. Because you know what? I, I have to interrupt you there because I think that is a great tip for listeners because many times women, they kind of fall in that, oh, I'm the victim here, and this is sexual harassment. And I, I agree. I think when you – it's how you respond many times. Um, if they know and they can get a reaction out of you, it's, it's almost like it, it keeps them going. Oh, but absolutely. You, you ignore it you or you have to reclaim the power. You have to reclaim power. So if somebody makes a comment like, oh, what I'd like to do, you can always say, well, that's a great idea, but not with you. You know, yeah, I'd love to do that, but not with you. And then they just look at you like, what did you just say? And there's so many ways to, to come back without actually putting them down. Sometimes you can just say, oh, my God, that's what I did last night. You're right. It was amazing. You know, just any kind of comment that shows them it doesn't bother you that you think they're really ridiculous because their feelings get hurt just like ours do. And nobody likes to feel stupid. And if you can make someone feel stupid, you regain that power. So, mm-hmm. yeah, never be the victim. I'm not a victim. If you think I'm attractive enough to want to do something with me, I'm actually flattered. But I have to say I can't return that compliment to you. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned in an interview um, that you thought it was neat to blaze the trail and open the doors for women, but to discover that even today there's not that many women that chose to go into the man's world. What, what did you mean by that? Well, you know, it's interesting to me because when I was first given that title in a magazine article back in, I think it was the early 80s, the first woman, first lady of boxing, that whole thing, I thought, well, that's really great. I'm happy to be the first lady of boxing. But now it's 30 years later. Where's the second and the Mm -hmm. third? You know, where are the other women that wanted to follow my, my footsteps? And then I realized I chose a really tough tough path because boxing is a male sport, no question about it. The characters, you know, the Don Kings and the the Panama Lewis and the guys that are in this sport um, are not the most articulate, you know, very few Harvard grads, you know, very few, you know, kind of Ivy League sort of guys. It's a different kind of a sport, and you'd wonder why would an educated woman who has a relatively high IQ wander into a sport where there's no one else like her. And yet I think that's what made it so interesting to me is I was going into a totally different world, a world of which I knew very little, but what I learned quickly was that it's not that difficult. Nothing that you go into is that difficult if you have a true love and interest for it because it's like math. I'm not good at math, but my friends who are find it very easy because it's what they love doing. So when you pick what you like in life, you're going to be successful and you're going to be happy. I don't ever feel like I'm working, and it sounds like you girls don't either. You love what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, and you make really good points. There's so many things that I, I could so dissect here, but when you're talking about it, you don't see a lot of this stuff as obstacles, and I think it goes back to you're clear on who you are and what you want to walk away with. And I think so many times as women, they as soon as you, you get um, – you know, you get discouraged or you get told no or you get, you know, whatever, 
it's our, our immediate instinct is to back away and love your tenacity to go, no, you know, I'm just going to figure out a different way to do that. And Patty and I, people joke with us because we don't take no very often and very easily. And we say, literally, you have to look us in the eyes and say no, because no to us is just another, it empowers us to come up another way to find a yes. And so I think that's what you're saying. And so many times we give up too soon. But when it's something that you love, like you said, you will, you'll just keep going for it because it's not work. It is, it is so much a part of you and it stirs your soul. And going into like the movie um, with, you know, Against the Ropes, Meg Ryan, how do we, you know, we'd love to talk with you about that and that role. And you've had so many different roles that you've played and you've been on TV and you've met some intriguing people and, you know, not many people have had a movie made about their life. <laughs> not too many that are still alive. They tend to do it about people after they've died. So I was kind of honored to be able to be part of the process. But, again, that's a double-edged sword because if you're dead and they do a movie about you, you can't really complain too much. But when you're, <laughs> when you're alive and you see them mutilating your story and twisting mm-hmm. everything around, it's like, oh, no. But you can't do anything because once you sell your rights, it's their movie. Yeah. You know, it was a little bit tricky for me because I was given by Paramount five names that they would accept in order to okay the movie, and it was a big budget. And, you know, when you get into that stratosphere financially, they're not going to cast Sally Smith, even if she looks just like you, acts just like you, and, you know, captures you to a T. So the names I was given were Julia Roberts, who mm-hmm. had just done Aaron Brockovich, so she was kind of out of the biopic business for a while, mm-hmm. Sharon Stone, who had uh, just recently, I think, had some brain surgery and adopted a child and so on. I was offered Sandra Bullock, who would have been fabulous because yeah. my, my movie could have been Blindside, but nevertheless, you know, <laughs> um, Meg Ryan and Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, Michelle Pfeiffer had just done Dangerous Minds, which was about her at a school with a lot of uh, kids at risk, and it was similar, you know, the similar vibe of this white woman dealing with these, you know, inner-city kids, which is similar to my story. So it ended up being Meg Ryan, and I spent about a year with her, actually, close to a year, teaching her the business, taking her to fights, taking her to the gym with me, sitting at her house watching fight films, explaining to her the business, you know, working with her on what she considered to be my accent, um, being from the Midwest, I guess my accent is identifiable to other people. It's not to me because everyone I know talks the same. <laughs> you know, she spent a bit of time with me, and then the movie came out, and it didn't resemble me at all to yeah. me. Yeah. You know, I'm watching this movie about this single girl from Cleveland, and here I was a married woman from Detroit with kids trying to incorporate these young black boxers into my life by moving them into my home, very much like Blindside, and they they lost the whole essence of the story, and uh, they had a different vision for it, and I was horribly, horribly disappointed, and... Um, you feel somewhat betrayed because during the year we, we spent together, Meg seemed to really understand who I was, what my, my quest was, and then the movie came out and, and it was almost unrecognizable. So, you know, it was a good little story about a woman who fights the odds and succeeds, and I love the message, but I just didn't relate to the character. Mm-hmm. Just didn't I feel agree, like- and... and, and y- I think she had a hard time drawing the audience in because they didn't develop her character. She wasn't, 
She wasn't as likable, uh, definitely not as likable as you are. But it well, kind of thank you. But that—that's the thing that I think that they lost was the warmth. The person who really cares about people and brings them into her home because she wants to mother them. I've always, from day one in my boxing career, because I'm let's see, I'm 64 and I've been in it 32 years. So I was 32 years old with children. I was already a mother, and so my instinct towards these young kids was to incorporate them, to give them you know, a family life to make them feel loved and wanted. My theory was that if you give somebody love, encouragement, and affection, they'll be successful because that's what everybody needs. And it worked. I've had six champions, and and many of them were kids that didn't have a good home life, and I tried to give that to them. That was the message I was trying to put out there that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're white, black, a woman, older, younger. When you give people support and love and you believe in them, they're going to succeed. And that was the lesson. And, of course, the movie did not tap into that, unfortunately. But I didn't quit then. You know, I'm still doing it. I, I still manage fighters. I have one now that's 17-0, and 0, and I, I have no doubt he's going to be a world champion in the next year. And, you know, you just keep doing what you love. And it keeps you young, and it keeps you happy, and it keeps you productive. You know, I've, I've never slowed down. And, you know, when I think that on my next birthday I get Medicare, it's such a, a dichotomy. <laughs> I look at it, I go, Medicare? Are you kidding me? All right, Jackie, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show, and I cannot believe that we are already out of time. Well, um, let's do it again, girls, because there's so much more we can talk about. So anytime, let me know, because I love your show. I think you guys do an amazing job, and I'd be happy to come back anytime. Well, we have one minute. Um, what would be one tip that you can leave with our listeners to just inspire them in their, in their dreams of moving forward? Because you've inspired us this day, so inspire all the listeners. Well, I can tell you one thing that's worked for me, and it will always work for any woman if you do it, and that is, number one, develop a thick skin and never let them see you sweat. And I mean that, girls, in any situation, even in an intimate situation, if you're nervous, you go in there like you're the hottest thing ever, like you're a paid prostitute. Feel it, believe it, and that guy will come back for more, honey. Trust me. (laughs) Okay, you are hysterical. But you know what? It's like believe in yourself, know who you are, and be confident in that, and go forward in that. And you can overcome so many obstacles. You really can. And so just believe in yourself, I think, is such a huge message. And we have loved your story. And you can hear more about Jackie by going to girlfriended.com. Thank you, Jackie. Have a Thanks, great day, have everyone. A great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show to...